A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 108 of Confessions of a Marketer, time to optimize your marketing. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. John McDonald is here to discuss conversion optimization. We'll have that chat in a moment. Soon we'll have Chris Stefanik of Wattpad on storytelling, Kiri Masters on marketing and Amazon, another session on optimization with Justin Christensen, Nathan Hirsch on finding the right freelancers, and Philip Stutz on the politics of marketing. We are also going to be discussing marketing the holidays. We'll have a chat about CMO priorities, planning for 2020, and lots more. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. Okay, on to John McDonald. This one is all about optimization and conversion, helping brands understand the clicks and movements of their website visitors and how to use that data to convert more existing visitors into buyers. John's company, The Good, is an interesting operation that has worked with Adobe, Nike, Intel, and a lot of other household names to help them squeeze more revenue from their e-commerce. In this first part, we get a look at John's background, mistakes people make when they think about conversion, and how the good helps. Oh, and as usual, we talk about data. So let's get to it. John, good to have you here on Confessions of a Marketer. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to this. Can you give me your background and how you ended up in your current role? Sure. So I am the CEO and founder of The Good, and we are a conversion rate optimization firm. Now, how I ended up here is a little bit longer of a story. I started out in, I have a degree in computer science and visual arts. So I got a dual degree and immediately went into 
at the time was advertising agencies. That's where all websites were really being built. There was no such thing as a digital marketing firm at the time. And I got thrown into the fire really quick with a ad agency that was looking for somebody who knew everything about computer science to help them build websites. And for some reason, they thought that grabbing somebody straight out of college with a degree was the best idea. I ended up getting thrown into that fire and loved every minute of it. That's probably where my entrepreneurial spirit is is really coming from, uh, was that experience of growing a team growing a department, working with big names. I found myself in the room with CMO of Coke at one point, and I was 22 and uh, had some really good life-altering experiences come out of that that to this day have just really kind of propelled my entrepreneurial spirit. And over the years, I decided to open my own digital marketing firm. I focused exclusively on e-commerce. And at the time, there was no such thing as conversion rate optimization. So what we were always doing, though, was building websites and then making sure that those e-commerce clients of ours were signing up for an ongoing optimization program after we launched their sites. Now, we did this for two reasons. One was that helps set the expectation with that client that there is no finish line for an e-commerce website. Everybody else that was building these websites would follow a launch and leave philosophy. And we really wanted to help e-commerce websites understand that when you launch, the site's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be 100% the best consumer experience possible. But you could get there with continued iterative improvements to the site after launch by basically paying attention to what consumers had to say as they were using the site, tracking what they were doing on your site, where they were dropping off in that purchase funnel, where they were having problems, paying attention to the data that was coming back from user engagement after the site launch. And so we built that into every engagement. We'd launch their site and then help them optimize the site after launch. And that was a unique approach that really took off. After about three or four years of doing that process, I quickly found out that that is why every client was hiring us. It wasn't because we could build a website that had become pretty commoditized. There's tons of digital marketing firms out there. There's tons of development firms. It's kind of a sea of sameness with those, right? Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that sea of sameness over and over again on this podcast, whether it's design, Mm -hmm. whether it's the way websites look, marketing tactics, everybody copies everyone else. Yeah. And and so I basically hopped on a plane, flew around the country, interviewed our current clients, our best clients, and asked them, why did you decide to work with the good? And every single one of them said it was because of the ongoing optimization. No one else was offering that. They didn't care how beautiful the code was as long as the site worked and produced revenue like expected. They really wanted the optimization after the site launch. And that was why they chose to work with us. So I decided to focus exclusively on that. Now that industry has become commonly known as conversion rate optimization. At the time, that really wasn't a term. Now this was six, seven years ago. So now that it's becoming much more popular, we've been riding that wave and have been been doing this for 10 years of optimization now. 
we've got some pretty good processes and expertise. We continue to see patterns over time of the same things coming up over and again that we know how to solve those problems extremely well. Yeah. Can you tell me how you help your clients when you get engaged? Maybe when you hop on a plane and go and visit one of them and you first consult with them, what are you helping them with and how do you lead them along with conversion? Well, the first thing that that we always want to do is diagnose before we prescribe. So very much like a doctor model, doctor patient model. First thing we do is we go in and we run a comprehensive audit on their site. And this conversion audit is really meant to help do a number of things, but make sure first and foremost that the client is tracking the right data. We really want to track every click and movement that people are taking on a website. Heat maps, click maps, scroll maps. Make sure they're looking at the right analytics, of course, to see seasonality and trends. But we also want to do what's called user testing. This is where we send people to the site who match the customer's ideal consumer profile, have them use the site while we record their screen and their audio. And then we use all that data to help inform what types of A-B or split testing we should be doing on the site on an ongoing basis. So using the data for foundations of making decisions around the consumer and user experience on the site, how to improve those, but also how to prove out our hypotheses through testing. And so that all is part of that audit, right? Going through every page of the site, making sure we understand where the drop-off points are and how we can improve that consumer experience and make sure they're tracking the right data so we have good baselines. And then how to improve the site from there is really ongoing A-B and multivariate testing. Yeah. What are some mistakes that you've seen that people, companies make when they think about conversion? What are some misconceptions maybe? Well, I like to, I say this all the time, but I and I'm one of them. I'm a marketer too, or in the industry, but I yeah, think marketers yeah. ruin everything, right? And I think that the biggest misconception that was Gary have, V who said that, isn't it? Yes, yes, he's definitely one of the proponents <laughs> of that. But here's the thing: most brands online treat a consumer differently than they would in a retail store, and they do it because they can't see that consumer. So they are increasingly putting barriers up to conversion on their site by interrupting the consumer, by taking them out of that purchase flow, by not helping the consumer do the only two things they're at your website to do. First is to research and understand if your product or service is going to solve their pain or their need. They're at your site for a reason. They're there to solve that pain or need, and they think that your your product or whatever's on your site can help them do that. Secondly, once they've determined that you can help solve that pain or need, they want to convert as quickly and easily as possible. But so many brands get in their way and they do things like throw email pop-ups in their face, right? Right. How disruptive is that? Sometimes as soon as you get on a site, you're bombarded with that rather than letting you just do what you came to the site to do. That's exactly it. Now, think about if we were in a retail store and you walked into my store and I was a sales associate and I jumped out in front of you with a clipboard and said, give me your email address. That would be very disruptive. You would leave. 
you might even have some type of negative reaction right there on the spot. You might alert the authorities or something. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Why are we doing that to people online? It doesn't make any sense. So there's so many of those type of experiences that I think you know the context just needs to be if you wouldn't do it in a retail store, don't do it on a website. It's that easy. Have empathy for the consumer and their experiences. Look, I have a two and a half year old at home. The other night I was trying to buy tickets, a uh, flight to someplace. And I was in the middle of, of looking to, you know, searching for the best flight. And my son comes up and he, and he grabs my arm and he, he wants me to help him with something. And so I stop and I, and I go and I do that. And the fact is, I still haven't bought those tickets because it made that process so difficult to find yeah. what was yeah. best for me. It took too long and I got distracted. Your consumers are all in that same boat, right? They're all trying to make a purchase very quickly because time is of the essence and they have other distractions. It's an epidemic, really. And that's the biggest issue I see is just not respecting the consumer's time and treating them with empathy on on your website like you would do in a person-to-person situation. So if you analyze a situation, what role does data for the everyday marketer and for you as an agency going in to help a company solve a problem, what role does data play in all of this? Well, I think it's the building block. It's essential. And if you don't track the right data or use data to make data-backed decisions, then you're really taking a guess. And this is where, going back to my statement about marketers earlier, you know, this is where you get things like auto-rotating banners, right? Because we want to show so many marketing messages and we have limited space to do it that we feel like we should put that into an auto-rotating banner on the homepage, the first thing we want people to see. Well, the problem with that is, is the stats don't show that anything beyond the first image gets engaged with in any meaningful fashion. And beyond that, you really, we've run hundreds of tests on these that just having an auto-rotating banner on the homepage kills conversions. It immediately upsets people. They get distracted from what they came to your site to do by that fancy shiny object that is that new marketing <laughs> message you have. So really, you know, not knowing and paying attention to that type of data can help you make incorrect decisions. So just paying attention to the data of how people are engaging with that carousel. Are any of the second, third, fourth, fifth items in the rotation getting clicked on or engaged with? And use that data to make informed decisions about just have one image there and just make it static or don't make it a promotional item, make it a branded item about what your company stands for, why they're in the right place and help people identify that quickly. That's just one example of how data can really be used to make informed decisions. All right, next time John is back and we talk about nurturing, getting leads into the funnel and the art and science of conversion. So stay with us. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.
tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home-free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.